2: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover
0: all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
3: Hello, you're listening to a very special episode of Popcom Podcast where we sit down with the director of the hitman's wife's bodyguard, Patrick Hughes. I'm Timmy Fland, Movie Buff.
4: And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist.
3: And we love to talk all things movies, don't we, Lee?
4: And we do. And this time we're gonna talk all things movies with Patrick Hughes, as we mentioned.
3: And Patrick is the director of The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which in that film, the world's most lethal odd couple, bodyguard Michael Bryce and Hitman Darius Kincaid, are thrown together on another life-threatening mission. But this time, they are joined by Kincaid's even more volatile wife, Sonia.
4: Yes, and as Bryce is driven over the edge once again by Kincaid and his wife, Sonia the trio soon find themselves embroiled in the plot of a powerful madman. Joining them in the deadly mayhem in this sequel is Morgan Freeman in a secret role as well as Antonio Banderas.
3: So the director is Patrick Hughes. Obviously, he comes from the world of The Expendables 3 in the first Hitman's Bodyguard film with a screenplay by Tom O'Connor, Brandon Murphy and Philip Murphy.
4: Yes, and this is based on a story and characters created by Tom O'Connor. The movie, as we mentioned, stars Ryan Reynolds reprising his role, Samuel L. Jackson, Salma Hayek, Morgan Freeman and, as we mentioned, Antonio Banderas. Now, I sat down with Patrick Hughes to talk about this uh, sequel, which incidentally has another sequel coming, The Hitman's Bodyguard 3.
3: Yes, it is. little scoop at the end of the interview, which you'll listen out for.
4: And as you can probably tell from the sound of his voice, uh, Patrick is Australian. Yes. Which made for a very fun interview.
3: Residing from the great city of Melbourne in Victoria in Australia, which is very exciting.
4: And uh, Patrick talked about how much fun he had bringing all these great A-listers together on this film. The chemistry was off the charts. The energy was off the charts in the movie, wasn't it?
3: And I'm sure you will agree that a lot of that energy comes from the director mm-hmm. themselves. So when, when you hear the interview in a moment, you will understand why this film goes to these dizzy heights because the director brings so much goddamn energy to the table. It's awesome.
4: He really does. So let's take a listen.
2: A I need you to protect us. We're trying to have a baby.
4: We can't have mercy on our souls. Hey. Hi, how are you?
1: Good, thank you. How are you?
4: I'm good, thank you. Um, Congratulations on the film being out in the world, finally. Must yes. be good.
1: Yeah, we sat on this. We finished, it was completely finished like a year and a half ago. So oh, wow. it's literally a situation where it was sitting on the shelf catching dust.
4: <laughs> There's a real family dynamic in this one. Without giving too much away, can you yeah. let us know how it builds on the first film?
1: Well, the thing that, like, got really sort of, like, I wanted to sort of pursue with the first one I love that idea you know because Ryan and I have been deep discussions we were like he's totally a man child and he's totally got this deep-seated validation issues and they quite often stem from father issues people who don't have a strong father figure in their life and then the, I always perceived Kim Kincaid Samuel Jackson in the first film was like this disapproving father figure and then that dynamic to me felt like well that's sort of like this weird family dynamic and then obviously with, with Sonya Kincaid, played by Selma Hayek, uh, in the sequel, I was like, let's get her out of prison. What is this woman like in the real world? Because she is batshit crazy. And she would complete my family unit. And it's a crazy family um, with a mother and father that kill people for a living and a man child that's along for the ride that's trying to protect life.
4: The energy levels of these actors, you know, Samuel, Ryan and Salma are just off the charts. Um, (laughs) What is it like to work with that on set? Like how do you rein that in or or steer it? I
1: I tell you, like I have to be the person that brings it the most. That's the only way it can happen is like i got to bring that energy to set and I do and I'm very sort of vocal on set and bring a lot of energy to it because I feel like as a director you get to set the tone and you got to go in hot, every day and it's exhausting um but it's like you got to be able to just like especially on this franchise you know there's not a lot of subtlety you know we subvert every moment in the film and and everything's turned up to 11 on the dial um so it's like it's all about extremes it's like how you know like the thing that I get obsessed about I, I find hilarious is what is that moment where I'm pulling the handbrake on the audience, where I'm like leading them down this path and, oh, the film's going this way and then boom, no, it's not, it's back this way and, and like, whoa. So um, for me, that's where the juice is, yeah.
4: It takes real skill to bring that comedy and action together. Where do you begin even plotting that out?
1: Uh, it's always from a place of character. I mean, I think, um, you know, the, the dance that I, you play as a director is like trying to find that balance because uh, it can quickly mm. sort of tip into too fast. And once it's in fast then you've lost all sense of stakes and then nothing's real and nothing matters. And and it's like, okay, well, that's a sort of different genre. But, um, so it is like that balancing act of like, well, how do we have those moments of sort of honesty? You, and even if we subvert them, you still want to have those fleeting moments where it's like, Oh, you know what? That's, that's actually a genuine sort of honest moment. And I always remember, like for me, like the huge influence was trains, planes, automobiles, um, and if I look at the like the character of John Candy in that film the midpoint I mean that that really chokes me up every time and as funny as that film is mm. it's really sad and you feel so sorry for him because it's like he doesn't have anyone in his life and you know like that was something that Ryan and I are both obsessed with that film and we were like how do we take those qualities and just just juice it up with a uh, explosions and car chases and and all that sort of nonsense, you know.
4: Yeah, I mean, this movie is just filled with so much action; it just comes at you from every angle. How do yeah. you go about keeping each one of those stunts fresh?
1: I think for me, again, it's all about subverting them. How do we just like screw with the audience, like you know, lead them down the path of expectation and then just pull the rug and go? <gasps> because in that then then it's like if you're playing on the trope, you know, and then it's it it makes it fresh and and funny at the same time. You gotta you know you get a big laugh out of the audience certainly there's a there's there's a boat big boat chase uh sequence in the film that plays on that and so that's something i'm always sort of looking for and i'm always looking where is the comedy in this because you know the, and, and ryan's the same we're very much aligned on like our style of like what we think is funny and i remember like on when we were doing the first hitman's bodyguard like we we're going to have this this fight sequence and with ryan's character michael bryce and, and mm. Ryan and i both agree we were like it's not a fight he doesn't stand and fight he's not like statham you know it's not like mm. and i love statham I'm good friends with him but that's not his character that's not what he does if he sees bad guys he's gonna run <laughs> <laughs> so we were like you know and like i remember on in, production like everyone's like oh you know because they come to you so somebody yeah. you know you got 1200 crew and all these different people coming up to you and they're like you know in two, in two weeks we're going to be shooting this this fight sequence and I'm like it's a chase sequence Ryan's running away he's not <laughs> fighting it's a chase sequence so we turned that whole fight sequence into bakery in this hardware store it was like this big sort of dance and like yeah so it's like that's where it all sort of comes from it's like I, I like thinking about it in terms of character
4: yeah Michael's uh, really safety first isn't he Really?
1: Uh, he's a douchebag first. Um, <laughs> he's a man child with deep-seated validation issues. And he's also, I've uh, got the emotional maturity of a seven-year-old. Yeah.
4: You really put Ryan through the ringer in this one. Was that intentional from the outset?
1: Uh, 110% intentional. <laughs> um, I wrote I literally wrote a list. I was like, I want him to be shot, stabbed, hit by a car. I want him to be uh I want him to drown. I want to drug him. I want to like. Like there was literally a list and um, yeah. I, I wrote a list. This is all the things I'm going to do to this character in this order. And this is the layout and uh, a text. Cause I've got like Ryan and I have this sort of like text relationship where I'm just like constantly texting like updates about this is what I'm going to do. Because then, then he's like, Oh, this is what we should do. And then I was like, well, this is what we should do. And we're trying to one-eye up each other. But I remember I seen this, this list of everything I was going to put him through and, and um his response was oh great that that sounds fantastic thank you <laughs> but we did like i had so much joy in like just messing his face up in particular because he's so handsome i wanted to you know initially i was like okay we're going to we're going to open this film with this version of himself which is his ego right mm-hmm. And we're going to end with his identity. And his identity is this tattered suit with all these holes in his face and he's been shot, stabbed, drowned, drugged. So he's like this sort of degenerate with gambling debts. And it made for a lot of comedy on set, actually. Just just watching Ryan walk around all day, all day every day, with all this blood and, and crap on his face and like tattered suit. And, you know, I remember like Blake and his kids would come to visit set. And it's like... <laughs> It's like that's dad. <laughs> <I>
4: just... <laughs> what have you done to him? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I look amazing and I'm fabulous. <laughs> it's like, he looks like sort of washed up. <laughs>
4: like, so, is most of, so, does most of your production planning go into um, stunt and action sequences in this film? Is that where most of your time is spent?
1: Oh, uh, look, as a director, I mean, you've got to, it is grueling. You're like you're you're on your feet sixteen hours a day, six days a week for six months. Like that—that's every movie. And uh, it, it is, it's emotionally, uh, physically and mentally draining, but yeah, like um, certainly action sequences take it out of you because it is all in the prep. Like you've got to put all the workers in the prep. You just, you mm. can't just rock up on the day and go, Oh yeah, maybe I'll flip a car here. It's like, no,
4: you have to work
1: <laughs> all this out beforehand. So I've got a, I've got a great team that I work with. They've got a wonderful assistant and um, also my, i uh, got a, Prevising specialist I work with is come with me on every film. He's actually from Sydney, and well, I previs everything, and and um and that becomes the bible when you're working through pre-production. So there's like a million freaking meetings go down, and yeah. there's safety involved, and there's 1,200 crew, and it's like pyrotechnics and choppers and like there's so many sort of spinning plates. So it's like it's all in the prep. So when you get there on the day with the actors, the actors are like, oh,
4: wow, this is amazing.
1: I'm like, dude, I've been here 55,000 times. I don't care. Stand (laughs) there. Shut up. Action. Go. Uh, Yeah.
4: And you went from uh, your directorial debut to The Expendables 3 and then these huge movies. That's quite a career to direct to. How did that feel for, you know, a boy from Melbourne, essentially?
1: Um, It felt very seamless. It felt. Uh, I'm joking. This is where I'm that meant was... to be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 No. 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 That, that was. Uh, look. I took a huge gamble making my first film. I um, mortgaged my house and and put everything wow. on the line and made it without a distributor and because I, I had like so many attempts to try and get my first film made and I'd written three I'd written three scripts and tried three times and each time my budget just kept getting lower and lower and lower because. I was like, all right, screw it. I'm going to just make a movie for under a million dollars. I'm going to finance it and produce it and write it, direct it and edit it. I'm going to shoot it on leftover film stock from Fast and Furious 3. And I don't shoot it without a distributor. And then, you know what? It's going to be so awesome. I'm going to enter it into a festival and I'm going to sell it. That was literally my goal. If I didn't sell it, it was like, uh, dude, you're in trouble. you got (laughs) to... yeah there was i risked a lot to get that made but fortunately it, it um it, it had a bidding war and sony bought it and it opened up every door in hollywood and and one of those doors that opened up was that because it opened up these doors and i got an amazing agent and and people started seeing my the little film i made the next to nothing the smell of oily rag and yeah. people starting seeing a film called red hill it was passed around town and and sly stallone saw it and he really loved it and and then I got a call from the agent saying hey man he wants to meet with you on a a project so that's how it sort of came about
4: I think in a short space of time you've worked with everyone all the action legends in the business pretty much right right now do you have have a bingo card going (laughs) I
1: was like I was like I I met with um you know because they have this this these DGA catch-ups the Directors Guild of America and you get to go and catch up with this you know it's sort sort of like that that club where it's like these are the feature film directors and you catch up with all these amazing talented directors that make all these feature films and it's like it's all the people it's all your stars and all the people you look up to you know when you're trying to break in and and then there was a few instances where I was like dude you know I've made five films now and I've worked with more movie stars than you have, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I put Expendables, it certainly put, uh, like, I think it was like 13 movie stars in that film, but, um, yeah.
4: And then, well, yeah, exactly. It ticked off a lot of boxes, didn't it? Yeah, just one yeah, film.
1: yeah. That was kind of like a cheat code. And that got me, like, ahead of the game. And then now I just finished doing a film with Woody Harrelson and, and Kevin Yeah, Miller. Yeah.
4: And then in this one you've got also Morgan Freeman and Antonio yes. Banderas. Tell me about the casting for Antonio Banderas in particular because I would not have pictured him as a Greek, you know, tycoon evil genius
1: billionaire um yeah. I, I did i was like well if i want to have someone that's flamboyant and makes women buckle at their knees uh that's antonio banderas I'd well we with all know before. that yeah 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 <laughs> i worked with him before and also he's hilarious i absolutely love love working with him in fact my my brother's working with him right now on his first film he's all shooting right. in Greece at the moment but um he's he's an he's incredibly funny like, I, I told Antonio that. Like, I felt like if he if he didn't become an actor, he, he certainly would have been doing stand-up. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you that much. I'm mm.
4: going to have to wrap it up with the last question, and I guess it's an obvious one. Is there going to be a Hitman's Bodyguard 3?
1: It won't be called that.
4: Um, what will it be called? I was thinking about this. What, what could it be called? <laughs> It'd be like the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard's Bodyguard.
1: The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard's... Uh... Bodyguard. <laughs> dot, 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 dot because I'm never going to reveal the title and no one's ever going ah. to guess it. I've seen a lot of people trying to guess it online. But oh, no so you have knows. it
4: already. You have it already.
1: I'm not allowed to talk. I'm not allowed to say anything. We have to okay. end this interview at this point okay. because uh, <laughs> <Cut>. <laughs> if I say any more, I'm going to have to kill you.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll leave it there then. Thank you so much, Patrick.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.
4: Thanks. <laughs>
3: yeah!
4: oh tim i just loved the sense of humor on patrick hughes it makes him the perfect director for these films doesn't it
3: you almost can't imagine any other director taking on a project and script like this can you especially working with all these different big characters in ryan reynolds samuel jackson Mm. selma hayek just the crazy high octane energy it's awesome
4: and I just found it so funny that his sole purpose in this film was to just put Ryan Reynolds through the ringer, Just smash him around.
3: <laughs> it was one of my favourite, favourite moments of this interview. He just got so much wicked joy out of it. Yeah, you, know, you don't want to cross Patrick Hughes, that's for sure.
4: <laughs> well, we hoped you enjoyed the interview as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. And The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard is in cinemas now.
3: All right, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening.
4: We'll catch you next time. join in the conversation. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Popcorn Podcast.
3: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods,